man, Lisa and I really missed being here last week. We, I, I just love our church. I love church. I'm a church person. I, I honestly, part of a, when I was in high school, I was a good student at Forest View, good old Forest View. Any Forest View graduates in here? Like one? Wait a minute. Where are all my friends from high school? They should come to our church. Two, we have two forestry graduates. Um, I could have gone to, to traditional college, traditional university, but I had two things. I had a word from the Lord that I was going to go to a college that we had here at our church. We didn't have a college at the time, but I stuck with that word. Long story short, I did go to college right here at our church, Colorado Bible College. We had an extension campus through Andrew Womack, and uh, that's where Lisa and I both went to Bible College. Um, the other side of that is when I thought about leaving our church, here and going off to college, man, I just, there was nothing inside of me that wanted to do that. And that was a, that was a defining thing for me. I, I knew for a fact that I wanted to stay close and be a part of our church here. I just love church. I love being here with you guys. It's my favorite part of the week. And uh, last week, watching online from a distance from Woodland Park, Colorado, surrounded by snow, uh, it was a joy. It was such a joy to watch and see people worshiping. And I was looking at the chairs and I was like, oh, I see, I see uh, Joe Frank. And look, there's that. We were naming people, me and Lisa. It was like we were watching a movie or something. Uh, but it was great. And boy, our hearts exploded when my daughter got up here and led. If you closed your eyes, it maybe even seemed like it was Lisa up there. She sang like her and she, she led. She led like Lisa. And boy, she sang, she sang scripture in that song that is such a part of our heart and something our family has lived. Happy are those who dwell in the house of the Lord. You know, the house of the Lord isn't this building. It's not these cinder blocks and this floor. It's not 2226 Shaw Avenue. This building, this property is not the house of the Lord. This right here, this body is the house of the Lord. Your body is the house of the Lord. And when we gather, the gathering, uh, that is the house of the Lord. That is the church. And man, there's nothing like it on earth. It is so great to be a part of that. And, and we missed it so much last week, but loved watching online in our pajamas, snowed in in Woodland Park. And I thought, is this why people weren't coming back to church back in 2020? Because pajama church was kind of cool for like two hours. But I can tell you one thing, I wouldn't want to do it today. Like uh, it was cool last week, but I can't imagine wanting to do that every week. Uh, I, I just loved being here. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a great time with the Teradezes last week, with Andrew Womack, and um, saw some awesome, awesome testimonies. I'll give you one. The, the second night of the conference, uh, Lisa and I had just led worship, and we were sitting down in the front row, and Andrew Womack was speaking. And at the end of the service, he gave a call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know, maybe a couple hundred people went up that had never, um, that had never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, including standing right in front of me. I have pictures I don't have them ready to show you, but maybe next week. Um, this whole family, this, this father, mother, and their son, who was maybe like five years old, all came up to the front. They all had their hands up. We want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Andrew said, he goes, all right, well, you know what? To receive this gift, you got to be saved first. Is there anybody up here that has never received Jesus? And, and before you receive the baptism, you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. This little boy, both of his hands shot up in the air and, and, and a few other people and Andrew said, all right, repeat this after me. And when that little boy turned around a little bit, I could see it. He was just crying. And as he was repeating the prayer, he got down on his knees on his own, and he had his hands up. 
It was so sweet. And then him, his mom, and his dad were all three praying in tongues before it was over. And I chased them down when the night was over. And I went and found them in the foyer. And I said, is this your whole family? And she goes, this is our family. And I said, and you all got filled with the Holy Spirit tonight? And she goes, yes. And I said, and you got saved? And he said, yes, sir. And also I drew a picture and it's of a giant mouth eating a skyscraper. And he showed me, and that was really cool. It was an awesome drawing actually. Um, but, and I said, man, I just had a word for him. I said, man, this is going to change. I mean, call it a word, call it also just you know when people get saved, it changes their life. So I said, this is going to change your entire family. And the lady started crying, and she said, do you really mean that? Because I have a daughter who's not here tonight, and, and I want this to affect her too. And I was like, this is absolutely going to affect her. She's going to see Jesus in you guys like never before. This is going to change her life. And then I really did have a word for them. It was one of my favorite moments ever in ministry. This entire family's lives just got changed that night. It was awesome. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for that family. I didn't even get their names, but I'm very grateful I got to be a part of that and got to see that. It was awesome. And here we are in week three of our series called The Greatest, which you found out two weeks ago is all about getting low and serving. That's how Jesus said you become the greatest in his kingdom. And it's the only kingdom like that. Every other kingdom, you become the greatest by being the best at something or being the smartest or the wisest or being born in the family that has the most power or getting elected to office or whatever it is. Being the most popular makes you the greatest. Everything in the world is the opposite of how you become the greatest in the kingdom of God. It's by getting low and serving. And Jesus didn't just say it. He lived it throughout his entire life from his first miracle to his arms stretched out on the cross saying, it is finished. And then through his resurrection and walking the earth, in his glorified body, he still lived it. He showed us a great example when he washed the feet of the disciples, which was his final time with that group of individuals alone before he went to the cross. So I know I said that two weeks ago, but uh, and Brittany had an awesome message last week. If you haven't heard Brittany's message last week, go back and listen to the podcast or watch it. It was awesome. Uh, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of my message from two weeks ago. So that's why I'm going to say this again. Point out that that was his last thing he did with them alone. So in the Jesus knowing this is my last moment with these 12 people. He knew what they were going to do. He knew what they had to do. They're going to go set this world on fire. They're going to go spread the gospel like nobody else in history ever will again. They are going to see miracles. They're going to see uh, the dead come back to life. And this is my last time with these guys. What should I do? What should I say that's going to make a lasting impact? He pulls out a rag. He pulls out a water basin and he got down low and washed every one of their feet. And the text that we read two weeks ago is quick to point out the fact that Jesus knew he would be betrayed by Judas. He also knew that Peter would deny him three times in his moment of most need as he was hanging on the cross. He knew that all but one of those disciples would completely abandon him as he went to the cross. He knew that only John was going to be there with him in that moment. Yet he got down low and he washed their feet. And I think every one of us in here, two things. One should remember that we don't have any enemies made of flesh and blood. The Bible says that our enemies are powers and principalities. However, 
There are people in this world who have come against us. There are people that we don't get along with. There are people that we are on the outskirts with. There are people that treat us wrong. And I know two weeks ago I said this, I'm going to say it again. I think that there are some people in our lives that we need to get down low and wash their feet and serve them and see some breakthrough in that relationship. Uh, Sometimes we keep waiting on somebody else to change. We're waiting on somebody else to do what's right. They'll make this right. Once they make this right with me, then I'll make things right with them. And I think we need to worry a little bit less about making things right and maybe just get down low and serve if we want to be like Jesus. Today I'm going to piggyback on that and talk about, at the very least, five things that happen when we get down low and serve, and they are so good. It is nothing but positive. It's like, uh, it, it, I mean, it's, it's like we, we get to choose to be like Jesus, and somehow, as we become more and more like Jesus, good things just start happening all around us. It's not actually rocket science. It kind of makes sense when you think about it. So we're going to get to this. As, as I was preparing for this week, I remembered a really funny time. We, we watched that message last week that Brittany preached, and she said something like, our pastors are so willing to serve. If you don't know this, they'll jump in and, and do whatever anytime. And one of my favorite memories of uh, BJ and Lisa serving, that's me and my wife, and it was just a funny, funny thing that nobody really else knew about. Uh, but we were able just to get down low. And when I say get really dirty, I mean get really dirty. And this was just two years ago. Karis Bible College, Charlotte, held their graduation right here. We, let, we, we hosted their graduation here at FCG. And not only did we host, the directors asked Lisa and I if we would lead worship for the graduation. So we, we got ready. Ava and I think um, maybe Judah even played something with us that day. And we were going to lead a few songs. And right before graduation started, I mean, the students were lined up in the hallway. And this place was full with friends and family for the graduation. Uh, somebody who I don't even know, they came out of the women's bathroom and they were like, hey, there's water all over the women's bathroom floor. I think the toilet's overflowing. It's a good couple inches of water. Well, I know this building very well. I've known this building for 32 years of my life. And uh, when there's water on the women's bathroom floor, we got good pipes under our yard, but we really need the city of Gastonia to replace their terracotta pipes out by the road because when little pieces of toilet paper get stuck for long enough, those pipes back up and we need a good clean out. Otherwise, water comes up from those drains in the bathrooms and overflows and it is a mess. So we knew that was not just water in the bathroom. It was good old fashioned pee pee water. And uh, we had to get that bathroom at least closed down before we let worship. So Lisa and I ran in the bathroom. She's wearing nice clothes. She's wearing a dress. I was wearing nice clothes. And man, we had to like wade through the water to get to the toilet, to turn it off. I turned off one, Lisa turned off the other. And as she's turning one off, she goes, my hair just got in it. And my legs were in it. And we got the water turned off, put a go to the modular bathroom sign on the thing as the students were walking down. And then we very calmly came through that door, covered in PP water, grabbed our guitar and our keyboard and led worship just covered in it. And it was awesome. And uh, that was just a couple years ago. But boy, talk about getting low and a little bit dirty and serving. And I got to be honest, we were laughing at it when it happened and we laugh at it now. It was a joy and uh, it was great. It's a really funny memory, but you know, getting low and serving, whether it means that or just being kind to somebody, just, uh, I don't know, bringing somebody a meal. It doesn't always have to involve dirty stuff. But let me tell you, if you've never experienced joy through serving, give it a try. 
and watch just joy unlock in your life, whether you're just laughing at a situation or whether it's something deeper. You will experience joy if you never have. And one of the reasons is, one of the reasons that happens is, I'm going to get to this, so I'm going to tell you now, and then I'll get back to it in the body of the message. But serving, get your literal mind and eyes off of yourself and on somebody else. How many of you know the longer you look in a mirror, the more and more flaws you're going to find? I mean, does anybody in here look in the mirror for like a long period of time just to find like everything right? Like you look in the mirror and you're like, man, my eyes are beautiful. My hair looks perfect. I mean, I couldn't move. I couldn't move a piece of hair right now and make it look any better if I tried. My skin is flawless. Listen, I just turned 40. I know a thing or two about seeing unflawless skin, right? You look in the mirror longer and longer, you're going to see more and more flaws, right? You don't think you start looking better and better, right? That's just our flesh. You know, when you're looking at yourself and every part of your life is centered around how I can better myself, how I can better my life, how I can serve myself better, you're just going to see more things wrong. And, and, and we all know in this room, the world is never going to satisfy you. If you get everything you want right now in life, as soon as you get that last thing, you'll think of something else. As soon as you get a PlayStation 5, there's going to be a PlayStation 6 on the shelves. As soon as you get uh, uh, whatever, a new car, you're going to drive it off the lot. It's going to depreciate in value, and then they're going to release something else. Everything, you can get everything you want in life, and as soon as you get that last thing, there's going to be something missing. That's just how it works, but that's not in the kingdom. And as you serve and get your eyes off yourself and on other people, I'm telling you, peace and joy like never before will flood your life. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But we're going to come back to that. I'm going to pick up here. Um, we're actually going to go to the book of Galatians. That is one of my favorite letters that Paul wrote. Um, I kind of labeled this part of this message, um, eyes on Jesus and his righteousness. That's what serving does. It keeps our eyes on Jesus. I'm going to get to that. Paul even talks about it. But serving is a way, first and foremost, for us to be like Jesus. How many of you said this in your life? I want to be like Jesus. I mean, like, put your hands up. If you ever said that or thought it, I want to be like Jesus. Well, here's the easy way, right? Listen, Jesus healed the sick. He raised the dead. He, he was kind to, to people that, were, that, that appeared to be his enemies in life. He was kind to the ones that would betray him. Jesus was awesome. We all want to be like that. One of the most simple ways we can do it is by serving. I talked about that quite a bit two weeks ago. So I'm just going to touch on that here. But Jesus, through serving, uh, gave us no, he, he, two things in washing the disciples' feet that, that he showed us. Number one, serving simply just helped people out. Number two is that was a picture of his righteousness. And this is an important reminder. When he wrapped the linen cloth around himself in the word linen, is a picture of righteousness. So as he washed their feet, he told them, your whole body is clean, referring to salvation. You've been saved. We don't need to wash your whole body. I'm just going to wash your feet and then keep your hands clean and you'll be clean. So the picture he was giving them through washing their feet was that through his blood, we will receive salvation. So do we need to every day get down and beg Jesus, please save me. I've messed up again. No, our salvation is a done deal. He said, let me wash your hands and your feet. In other words, the part of us that gets dirty, the part of us that touches the world. So the Bible says if we don't renew our mind to the word, we'll conform to this world. So we have to wash our mind with the word. We have to renew our mind that it is about his righteousness, not our own good works. 
right? That we have a place with the Father, that we receive salvation because of the work of Jesus and Jesus washing their feet, serving them, us serving our brothers and sisters in the same way is a reminder to us and them that it is not about our good work or our bad work. It is about the righteousness of Jesus. And as we keep our eyes on Jesus through serving so many good things happen. Paul tells us all about them in the book of Galatians. So here we go. We're going to skip to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. And as I read each verse, I'm going to stop and elaborate just a little bit to make these points. So at first here, it's not going to sound like Paul is talking about serving, but he gets to it. So we're going to get down to the bottom and you're going to see how all this rounds out. Here's a little backstory. Galatians, this book, this letter Paul wrote, was written to the church in Galatia who were Gentiles saved by grace because of Jesus. And they started reverting back, I'm sorry, uh, they started reverting back to a mindset uh, of the law. They started trying to abide by the Old Testament law, including somebody had come to their church and taught them Uh, you're Gentiles, which means you weren't circumcised at birth. And the law of God says you have to be circumcised. So there was all these adult men lining up to get circumcised because they were taught that if you don't get circumcised and obey the entire law, you have no place with Jesus. So Paul is writing them a letter and he's basically saying a summary of the letter is you were saved by grace and by the work of Jesus. Don't fall into a mindset of your own good work, especially not mutilating your body to be in right standing with Jesus. That's the actual word that he used here. Uh, So here, that's where we pick up in in, uh, chapter five. He says, Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. This is an important verse right here, just by itself. Make sure you stay free. Have you ever prayed and asked God to free you from something? The word says you will stay free. God has done his part. Stop praying, asking God for freedom from your addictions, and just get free. The Bible says you have been set free. Now put your eyes on Jesus. Take steps that the word tells you to take and stay free. And I'm not just talking about addictions like cigarettes. Some of us are addicted to bad attitudes. Some of us are addicted. That that hit home with somebody. Somebody's like, but I think you're like, oh, yeah, he sure is addicted to uh, bad attitudes. But if you thought that, listen, remember that verse that says, Before you call out the speck in somebody else's eye, take the plank out of your own eye, right? So there's your, uh, if you just thought about somebody else with a bad attitude, you might want to take some internal plank checkage in your eye. Uh, Go ahead and get that out. Some of us are addicted to bad attitudes. Some of us are addicted to worry. Some of us are addicted to fear. Some of you can't sleep at night until you've counted all your worries in life. If I wanted to get real churchy, I'd be like, it's time to count sheep instead. We got one lamb of God. He's worthy to be slain. One lamb of God who has forgiven our sins. Three la- Anyway, I mean, count sheep. Count the lamb of God at night instead of all your worries. But some of us are addicted to worry. Some of us are addicted to poverty. Some of us don't know life without living paycheck to paychecks, but you don't have to. Some of us don't know life without scrapping and trying to take anything we can because we're scared we won't have enough. Speaking of Ashley and Carly Teredes, last time they were here with us in Gastonia, we were at a restaurant and I started asking the waitress uh, which meal on the menu had more food. 
like, is this, does this have more food than this one? And she said, yes. And Carly said, why don't you ask which one tastes better? I said, I actually am not so much concerned with fate, with the taste as much as just more food. And Ashley said, yeah, me too. I just kind of want to have the dish that has the most. And Carly says, uh, well, that's because you both have a poverty mindset. She goes, listen, get the better dish. And if you're still hungry, we'll order another one. There'll be plenty of food for you. Don't worry. But she called out our poverty mindset, which orders food by the fact of which dish just has more. So uh, some of us are addicted to that. Some of us are addicted to the thought that we'll never have enough. But it's our job to stay free because Christ has already done his part. That verse right there can change your entire life. Back to our text. You have fallen away from God's grace, but who? But we who live, notice that, you have fallen away. Not God has pushed you away. Not God has cut you off. God does not ever cut you off from his grace. It is available to you and anybody else at any time. We cut ourselves off. God doesn't cut us off from grace. You have fallen away from God's grace, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. That's called salvation. When we receive salvation, Jesus' righteousness is accounted to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. So again, this church had fallen into a works mentality, and it started with the idea that they had to be physically circumcised or they weren't uh, in line with the grace of God. Now, circumcised is an extreme example of, 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 an, of an example of the law. People thinking they have to do this to receive save, to, to be saved. But we take that one example of circumcision, we still fall into this train of thought every once in a while as humans. We might not think, oh, I got to be circumcised to be right with God, but we might think laying in bed at night, you know, I was pretty mean to my kids today, and I also uh, said some bad words, and I also had a few thoughts I shouldn't have. I guess tonight I'm not in right standing with God. Paul is saying it's not about any of our actions. Now, we can, we can mess up in life. And listen, God doesn't punish us. Sometimes our own actions punish us. Our own sin punishes us, but it's not God, right? There's consequences of all this stuff. What Paul is saying is here, remember the difference. Even if you don't act right, yes, maybe you're feeling guilty. Maybe there's punishment in your life right now. You, 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 you smoke long enough, there's going to be a consequence for that. But it's not God making you unhealthy. It's the cigarettes, as far as you and God are concerned, remember, it's not your actions that make you righteous. It's the righteousness of Jesus. How is this about serving? Just wait. We're going to get to the end, and Paul will round it up for us, and it's going to be awesome. What is important is not your actions, but it's faith expressing itself in love. So what's one way we can express our faith in love? Well, this whole series is about being like Jesus through serving that is a way your faith can express itself in love, meeting somebody else's needs, meeting somebody else's needs. And here's what he says next. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one that called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm sure some of you are bakers. I'm not a baker. I'm not a chef. 
I don't cook that much. When I do, it is not very good at all. The first meal I ever made Lisa might have been the last meal I ever made Lisa. I made her this great, elaborate dinner. We've been married for a few months, which is now 20 years this October we've been married. And uh, I've made her meals since then, but nothing very good, just like salads and sandwiches. Because the first meal I cooked her was something I really enjoyed uh, as, a, as a child. It was hamburger buns. You open them up. You put a little scoop of spaghetti sauce and then a craft single over that. Put them in the oven, 375, and you got homemade pizza. And I made the entire batch. So, like, how many buns are in a pack? Is like eight. I had 16 little pizzas. She threw every one of them away. Every one of them. She said, I'm not eating that. Uh, I'm not a very good chef, but one time I was at Mike Cavell's house, he got on this kick of making cobblers, and he brought a cobbler out of the oven, and the, the bread part was all runny, and it did not look like his normal cobblers, and he said he forgot to put salt in it. And so all that fluffy goodness was just runny nastiness, so he made another one. And as he put the salt in it, I mean, he, like, put a pinch of salt in there. He, like, it was a big cobbler. He reached in with two fingers, I don't know, five or six grains of salt, it seemed like, and he threw it in there. And that was enough to make all that stuff that was runny nice and fluffy goodness. It was amazing to me how little it took to make all that fluffy. And Paul is saying this comparison right here with the law. He's like, listen, you are free in Jesus. Don't let just one little part of the law pollute your mind because it will spread. And before long, you're lining up saying, okay, well, now that I'm circumcised, I'm in right standing with God, right? Well, as soon as you do that, you'll start thinking of all the rest of them. Well, you know, I had a wrong thought today about somebody. Today, I, I, I'm, I'm in debt, you know, being in, I, I, I buy things that I don't need, right? I, I do whatever. You'll start focusing on your flaws and your failures because the longer you look in the mirror, the more flaws you'll see. If you let a little bit of yeast in, it's, it's just enough to ruin everything. Or even the idea of just putting a little poison. What if I gave you a, a big gulp soda? Remember those big gulp things? It's like 45 ounces of soda you can get at the gas station for like 35 cents or something like that, right? You got your big gulp soda, which is probably could be underfiled as probably poison in and of itself. But what if you took like a tiny little drop of deadly poison and dropped a tiny little drop of poison in a giant 64-ounce big gulp? Would you even take one sip of it? Well, there's a good chance you might not get any of the poison, right? But if there's even just a little poison in a 64-ounce cup, you're not going to drink it because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And here Paul is saying, don't let even a little bit of the law into your heart, into your mind, because it will keep spreading. Don't ever think it's just even a little bit about my goodness because it's got to be all about Jesus or we're just not going to cut it. Back to our text, I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who's been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say that I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. It's kind of hard words from the Apostle Paul right there. But here's what he's saying in that text. He is saying you're either saved by Jesus or you're saved by your own works. It's one or the other. It can't be both. And if any one of us think we can save ourselves through our own works, we got something else coming to us. But why do we continuously fall into that trap 
of guilt and condemnation when we fall short. That is letting the law in. And giving in to guilt and condemnation is a way to just keep going down a dark path. For you have been called to live in freedom. Here's where serving comes in. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So he gives us an either-or circumstance right here. He's been talking about grace. He's been talking about how free we are from the law, meaning just like our good works don't save us, this is revelation for somebody in the room, our bad works don't unsave us. I mean, I'm telling you, I know it sounds crazy when you say it like that, but there's people and entire churches and entire branches of Christianity that preach that, that Jesus' good works save you, but your bad works will lose all that. People believe that, and and it's a tragedy that they do because Paul himself is right here saying in our Bible, in your Bible, in every translation, that it's never about your good works and it's never about your bad works. And once he establishes this truth, he touches on a subject that a lot of people go to right when you start saying it's not about your good or bad works. They start saying, well, then can we just live however we want? Can we just do whatever we want? Can we go live in sin and God's okay with that? If he was okay with sin, then he wouldn't give us a list and a list of all the negative things that happen to people as they fall into sin. Man, read your Bible. Man, David, some bad stuff happened to him because he fell into sin. Abraham postponed the promise of God. Moses postponed things in his life because they fell into sin. The heroes of our faith dealt with some pretty negative consequences because they fell to sin. However, I say this a lot. One of those consequences of sin is not losing our salvation. We are saved by grace. It's never about our good or bad works. And Paul is saying some people are going to take this and run with it and say to themselves, well, then I can just serve myself and do whatever I want in life. And whatever my flesh desires, I can just go indulge in it. And he's saying, I guess you can technically, or you can use your freedom that you have in Christ to serve one another in love. He's pointing out the difference between living a life that is self-focused, flesh-focused, or we can choose an outwardly focused life, serve others. And do you know what happens when you're serving others and you're not focused on yourself? What that does is it gives you the freedom to do what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God in all these things, meaning the things of this world that you need to survive, that your flesh needs to survive, clothing, food, shelter, nourishment, work, things like that will be added unto you when you seek first the kingdom. Do you know when you're not free to seek first the kingdom? When every thought you have is centered around, how can I serve myself? What do I need right now? What are my needs, my own needs? This isn't even just talking about sin and things like that. Our flesh does need things. If you don't feed your flesh for long enough, your flesh will starve to death. And that's not good. You have to eat physical food. You have to drink water. These are things your flesh needs. 
And Paul is saying, listen, this isn't all just about living in either sin or freedom in Christ. This is also about, are you going to live your entire life? Will you be satisfied living your whole life just trying to figure out how you're going to survive the night, how you're going to get your next meal, how you're going to find work, how you're going to do this or how you're going to do that? Because he's saying it's going to be one or the other as a believer. You're either going to serve yourself or you're going to serve out of your freedom in Christ and keep your mind outwardly focused instead of self-focused. And in doing so, it gives you that freedom to live like Jesus did, seeking the kingdom and seeing everything added unto you. When Jesus was seeking the kingdom and 5,000 men plus women and children showed up, there was 12, there was 12 a, a few loaves of bread and some fish. He fed everybody with them and then took baskets of leftovers. We have a God of the miraculous, and we'll see more and more of it in our life as our focus is off of us and on others, and you can do it through serving. And the more and more you choose it, the easier and easier it gets to get that focus off yourself. I can, I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this, there's so many people that deal with fear, anxiety, and depression. Now, I'm not saying in every case, but in so many cases, that goes back to the self-focused, self-centered attitude. The depression comes because of a constant awareness of the things I lack, or the things that have been done to me, or the way I've been done wrong. And when that focus can come off of all these things and onto Jesus, which happens through serving, onto others, man, that depression doesn't have anything to latch onto. Those fears and anxieties that aren't coming from within you because inside the believer is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, not a spirit of fear. Those fears and anxieties that are coming at you from the outside world have nothing to latch onto. Like water off a duck's back. When the news says the economy's crashing or whatever else, it's just in one ear and out the other for you. Maybe we, we should be aware and we'll pray and we'll, we'll do whatever we can to, to help out and do our part in, in doing things. But the worry and the fear that goes along with stuff like that, it's gone. It's got nothing to latch onto when we're not concerned about ourselves. Right? It frees us to do what Jesus said, which is seek first the kingdom. Back to our text, Paul says, make sure I'm where I think I am. You've been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters. Don't use it to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. The whole law. Thousands of laws, including the Ten Commandments. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't have any gods before me. If you can quote the Ten Commandments, or even most of them, yet you've never heard anybody say that you're free in Jesus, it's time for a little rethinking. The whole law, including the Ten Commandments, can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, Jesus was a living example of this. Anybody in your life that you can step in front of right now and serve, Jesus dealt with that exact same thing. He'd served his betrayer. He served the ones that deserted him. He served the ones that loved him. Over and over again, he lived this. And remember, even if you don't think about it this way, it is a reminder of his righteousness. And as we renew our mind to the word, 
It's like washing those hands and feet that Jesus said. If your whole body is clean, if you receive salvation, just keep washing your hands and your feet every day. The metaphor there is you're saved. Just keep filling your mind up with his word. Keep refocusing on him when you begin to focus on yourself. Renew your mind to his righteousness when you fall and when you make a mistake. Don't look at yourself and beat yourself up. Look at Jesus and say, thank you that because of you, I'm forgiven for what I just did and I'm still in good standing with the Lord. When we turn our attention outward to others, it comes off of ourselves and depression, fear, anxiety, hatred, all these things like that. Just have nothing to grip down on and stick to. Through that act of love, man, Jesus was showing them a picture of his righteousness and we can show others and ourselves every time. So I know I just read a big chunk of scripture, but now I'm just going to read just five things we've talked about in the last two weeks that happen when we serve others. One is this, that reminder I just talked about, that it's about him. It keeps our eyes fixed on him and his righteousness. Number two, it's fulfilling the commandment that fulfills all the commandments. So you ever thought to yourself, man, I want to be like Jesus? He said, start with loving your neighbor as yourself and serving. Three, serving is meeting and feeling somebody else's needs. You know, the example Brittany talked about quite a bit last week was serving here in church. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but when we don't serve in church just because we need to, we don't have nursery because it's like tradition to have nursery. No, we do things here to give everybody that walks in a, a chance to have a time with the Lord undistracted. We get distracted throughout the week by everything. Everything, everything. But when a parent can drop their kids off safely and come into the service and focus on Jesus, maybe for the first time without being distracted all week, powerful things happen. When the band gets up here and plays excellent music and there's not bad notes and bad feedback, it's not. The reason is because now we can have an undistracted moment with the Lord. It's about serving others so they can come into an encounter with Jesus that leaves them different. The fourth thing it does is it keeps us from falling to that self-serving, self-focused lifestyle, keeps our attention outward, which gives us the freedom to seek his kingdom first. And as we do, we will see all those earthly things that we genuinely need to survive here added unto us. And then this is the last thing. This is what I'm going to close with. We haven't touched this yet, but as I was preparing this message, even last week in I guess two weeks ago in Colorado, um, Andrew Womack had a great statement. He, they did a little panel where people could ask him a question or, and Ashley and Carly. And somebody asked the question, in ministry and as you serve in your church and in life, how do you avoid burnout? And Andrew said, well, that's simple. I've never really felt burned out. He goes, burning out is when you serve others just without looking at Jesus. He said, when you take your focus off Jesus, that's when burnout happens. I thought, man, that's powerful. It's so simple and it's powerful. As you keep your attention outward instead of inward, as a believer who serves others, it will prevent you from getting burned out. It will prevent you from getting burned out as you look to Jesus. And as you look to him and commune with him, you know, if you're tired and somebody, you're looking at the week ahead and man, there's opportunities to serve places, there'll be a time when Jesus tells you or when the Holy Spirit tells you, rest this week. And Partly, the communing with him will help you make wise decisions that will also help you avoid burnout. But that is another great thing that happens through serving. When you serve with your eyes on Jesus, it stops you from getting burned out. 
when you serve to try to earn your place with him, well, you'll never do it and you'll get burned out fast. But when you serve from that place of his presence, when you serve because he's a part of your life and you just want to be like him, it actually enriches you. It enlivens you. It gets you filled with energy. I mean, it's like that goofy story I told you guys about leading worship after we had to fix the toilets and stuff. It wasn't a burden. We were cracking up laughing. It was a moment looking back on it where we had life. I can't tell you all the good memories from when I was a kid when we had church work days here and we were physically exhausted, but we were laughing and having fun. And it was a good time. One of the best times when I'm alone with my thoughts all day, just thinking about myself is when you can go down the negative journey. But as you choose to serve, I'm telling you, you will find complete freedom from things you've been trying to find freedom from from fear, from anxiety, depression. It gets your mind off of yourself and on the greatest commandment that fulfills all the other laws, love your neighbor as yourself. It's awesome, awesome. I'm gonna invite the band up. We're gonna close this series next week. Uh, and, and something we're kinda, we're gonna, I, I like that we're, we have a little bit of an order. We're gonna talk about five pillars of our faith in a row. So we have kind of like the next few months mapped out. But this last three weeks and next week we're talking about serving. We're also going to talk about worship, prayer, about giving. And then we're going to talk about assembly, how important it is to do what we're doing right now. But once we're done with this kind of long spring slash maybe even into the summer overarching series, we'll have talked about just five foundational truths of what it means to be a believer. Serving others, giving, prayer life, worship, and then assembly. Why those things are important. What happens in the spirit as we do each one of these. And I think it'll be powerful. There'll be people here that understand things, maybe for the, have an understanding, a greater understanding of, of, of things that really should be a part of every believer's life. But if you haven't, done this in the last two weeks of this series the challenge that we've given you I think every week the last two weeks and this week is very simple before the sun goes down today serve somebody do something for somebody else serve them do whatever it takes it can be somebody you're frustrated with it can be somebody you're happy with whatever it takes whoever you're around find somebody and serve them and you know what in school I don't know if you went to school like I did but you got these little badges if a teacher saw you do a random act of kindness they put your name on the wall I saw BJ help somebody get their books to the classroom or something like that it can be random you don't have to be super spiritual about everything just serve somebody just serve somebody you will find so much breakthrough in your own life and it will simply be because your focus is leaving yourself and getting put on somebody else, but also your actions will be lining up with the actions of Jesus. Even if you don't think of this in English, you will be reminded that it is of His righteousness that makes us right with God, not our own. And you'll be reminded somebody else. It is so powerful and it's such a deep spiritual principle. I think you will be shocked at how fast you get breakthrough. me, I feel like that's like the equivalent of an altar call. You know, you've been in service, people have altar calls and they run to the altar and they have this encounter with the Lord. This altar call is find somebody and live this message 
and you'll see breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you so much. We're grateful for your presence. Let's all stand together as we close and as we respond with worship. Father, we're grateful for your presence. We're so thankful that you're here with us this morning, that you go with us. And I just want to say thank you right now that you will illuminate moments in our life where we can choose to step in and serve somebody the way you did without expecting anything in return, maybe for no other purpose except for to express our faith in love. I thank you for the breakthrough that will come into our lives in those moments. I thank you that we will find ourselves joyful. We will find ourselves energized. We will find ourselves getting set free from things that have held us back. 